DW Deutsche Welle. Pulse. Welcome to this week's jam-packed edition of Pulse. I'm Eunice Wanjiro in Bonn, Germany. In today's program, mentorship clubs are being formed in schools in rural Ghana to help young girls boost their confidence. You'll hear about microchip implants in Sweden. And we'll also hear from DW's Wanjiko Maora about her trip to eastern Germany and her impressions of the mood in the country prior to the elections. Stay tuned for these stories coming right here on Pulse. Activists have noted that many young girls living in rural communities in Ghana appear to have low confidence in themselves. Now, this low self-confidence can block a girl's chances of advancing in a patriarchal society like Ghana. In academia, for instance, educationists say lack of self-esteem among girls has affected their performance. And to break this cycle, two girls, Poshia Derry and Angela Seidu, are mentoring younger girls in schools by forming mentorship clubs which seek to advance the status of girls from low-income communities in Ghana. In their view, mentoring is the best tool to get the females and the male colleagues to move towards a more positive future. Our reporter Maxwell Suk went to find out more. Attention, artists, attention, eyes closed, the morning prayer. Abdullah Emanuel Swabida is directing the students' morning parade at the Chogu Demonstrations Junior High School. Emanuela is just 14 years, but she has already led the assembly parade several times. All it takes is confidence, she confides which she has learned through mentorship. No, I couldn't have done it because I can't stand in front of them. It's now that I have the confidence to stand in front of them and speak to them. Before, Swabida was a shy girl and used to avoid any question put to her in class. First, I can't go out in my class to stand in front of them speaking, but they are my colleagues. She wasn't the only one. But once she joined the Funky Read Write Clinic, her life was transformed. But now when I joined the Funky Read Write Clinic, now I can stand in front of my colleagues and speak. I can stand in front of a big crowd and speak to them. Abdullah Hikma is also benefiting from this free service. When I came here, I was feeling shy. Even when they asked me that what is my name, I was feeling shy to tell my name. But now... When I came to Funky Rewrite in five months, I, now I have confidence in myself. I can stand in front of crowd, in front of crowd to speak, or my colleagues. So the first word is courage. Courage. It is the beginning of another mentoring session for children selected from low-income communities in the northern region. A set of 100 children are taking part in this session. The mentees' cognitive abilities are being tested with this local game. Angela Seydu, one of the mentors, explains the relevance. So with this one, we are trying to 
make them active when they are inactive in class. So once they start, all their attention will be drawn to it. Angela hopes by breaking the cycle of shyness, she can improve students' grades too. The students are actually timid students being selected from low-income community schools. And then we bring them here and mentor them and provide them with some tutoring support in reading and writing. And at the end of it all, they would be that confident students we wanted them to be and not that timid. Portia Derry, another mentor at the clinic, says there is a direct link between girls' literacy and poverty. Anywhere you find a community with um, high incidence of poverty, you will surely find um, poor quality education, poor literacy skills. So in order to solve this huge issue of poverty, we thought that an innovative literacy in, um, initiative could you know, do the magic. But the mentors face an uphill struggle. Ghanaian society is quite patriarchal. Many people believe that women should submit to men in most situations. Professor Agnes Apusika from the University for Development Studies thinks it is all about socialization. In our society, the tendency is for girls and women to be quiet and listen and talk. You know, we say uh, you should not be seen. That means you shouldn't be bold enough to speak your mind. Timidity in childhood can become a problem in adult life if not worked on. And Professor Puska says this can thwart a girl's leadership potential. When we are looking for leadership qualities, we look for people who are brave to take decisions, people who can confront issues, people who can speak and speak intelligently. And as a part of socialization, if you are already not socialized to exhibit those characteristics, it means you grow up disadvantaged. You lack the confidence to be able to take on leadership roles. We learned about HIV AIDS. And what is the full meaning of AIDS? What is the full meaning of AIDS? AIDS is what? It is an abbreviation. So we want to know the full meaning of AIDS. Jenny Bema is Emanuela's teacher. The class is busy learning about sexual health. Madam Jane has noticed a real difference in the girls' progress since they joined the mentorship program. I'm the class teacher. They are good children in the class. Looking at their performances, it's, it's, a, it's an impressive one. They participate actively in class. They are always in school, aside the class work and other activities. They are always involved. So actually, they are, they, are, they are active children to me. And that makes things much easier for the teachers. As Adongo Isaac, the school's head teacher, confirms. If the child cannot ask questions, definitely it will affect them because you won't know whether the child has understood what you have taught or not. But if the child asks questions, talk, you will be able to know that you have not achieved your aim. The teachers and the mentors hope that, following the programs, their students will gain in confidence and will be able to speak up about issues which affect their communities and will be able, in time, to affect change. For DW, this is Maxwell Souk in Tamale, Northern Ghana.
Because of the development in technology, we don't always have to print out tickets when traveling. So if you're a techie sort of train or plane user, you're probably used to uploading your tickets to your phone. But in Sweden, they are going one better. You can now upload your ticket to your hand. Sweden is pioneering microchip implants that enable you to carry your ID under your skin. This report from John Lawrenson. Getting on a train with uh, Christopher, who doesn't have a ticket. Well, he does have a ticket, but that ticket is in his hand. That's correct. Can you see that? Like sure. Microchip? If, yeah, if you I can, press yeah. a little bit like that, you can see him moving in. Ah, slightly creepy. Mm-hmm. It's the size of a grain of rice. That's great. I've got you under my skin. I've got you. When the conductor comes to check his ticket, he holds up his hand and the conductor swipes it with her smartphone. Christopher Lovequist, head of a digital development team at the Swedish railway company SJ, is one of the 3,000 or so Swedish people who have had a microchip inserted in the fleshy bit of hand between the thumb and the index finger. Among the data stored in Christopher's hand is his SJ loyalty card number. When they put their phone uh, on top of the hand to um, check the ticket, the chip will send my loyalty number to the phone and it will check my loyalty number uh, in the list of passengers and see that, okay, for this loyalty number, there is a ticket on this train. When did you get chipped? Uh, it must have been uh, maybe two months ago now. Did you hesitate at all? Did you think, oh, do I really want to do this? No, it was um, by that time we had decided to launch this ticket on the chip and then I figured, well, yeah, I just must do it. It seems like a future thing to do. So, How else do you use this chip? We can use it for the, uh, the printers and for the scanners. And so you just swipe it over the printer and... Yeah, instead of using my, my card, my ID card, I can use the, uh, the chip. And then you can use it at the gym. It's just that my colleagues do, but I haven't been to the gym since I got this implant. I tried so not to give in. I said to myself, this affair never will go. A member of staff at the Stockholm startup hub Epicenter enters the building by swiping his hand over a sensor at the door. Some 150 of the people who work for the different companies based here have chip implants, including most of the people who run the place. It's the first time in the world there's been a concentration of chipped employees like this. I asked Patrick Mesterton, Epicenter's co-founder and CEO, if these chips would provide information about employees to their employers. Not more than it is by using a a credit card or your normal key fob. There's no GPS tracking and there's no one sitting and surveilling and looking at did John enter this door or exit that door, is he spending time on the toilet? None of that whatsoever. It's obviously a possibility, isn't it? I think over time anything is, right? Technology is growing at exponential speed, so whatever is here now, you never know what that's going to look like in three to five years. The sun beats down on blonde, tan people with glasses of rosé chatting in a garden. Inside, a tall, bearded man with tattoos and holes in his earlobes that might remind older listeners of the round window in play school pulls on a pair of sterilised rubber gloves. Johan Usterland is a body hacker, his term. Of all the chips in all the left hands in geekdom, he has inserted most of them. Another 20 at this wine and chip party. 
So I'm just applying blunt force to the to the area to kind of numb it out and stop the brain from sending synapses from looking. that area. <laughs> it's on the thing. On the thing. Oh, on the thing. That's it. Super quick. That <laughs> yeah, hurts a bit, and there's a little bit of blood. A whole drop. That you felt that, huh? Yeah, I felt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite—it's quite a big uh, blade going in your hand. <laughs> I'm trying to just make the world more effective and more convenient. Everyday interaction with digital surroundings shouldn't be analog; should be digital. Where do you see this going? No limits. Basically, the only limits right now is bureaucracy. Are we on our way to becoming hybrids between human beings and robots? I mean. This was super extreme when I started talking about it three, four years ago. Like, oh, you're going to be tracked. Big Brother, uh, CIA, NSA, KGB. And now it's in the common room. I mean, you're talking about, oh, oh yeah, I heard about that. You can open your doors, ride the train, pay for stuff. So making that transition from extreme to uh, not as day usual, day. Yeah, yeah, kind of day-to-day, that's going to put the super extreme one step closer to the middle, right? The next stage, making the rest of the Swedish travel system cyborg compatible so you can enter the Stockholm underground with a wave of your electronically enhanced hand. John Lawrence, DW, Stockholm. Got you under my skin. Merkel is set for a fourth term as Germany's chancellor. Analysts say that it will not be easy for Merkel as it is the first time in 60 years that a far right wing party, the AFD or Alternative for Germany, will sit in the German parliament. Our very own Wanjiko Maora, together with colleagues from the various African services here at DW, went on a tour ahead of the German elections to different parts of eastern Germany, where the AFD polled as much as 27% in states like Saxony. So how did the tour go? And what were Wanjiko's impressions of the mood in Germany prior to the elections? First of all, it was a lot of fun being with my colleagues on the road, but also a lot of work. And some of the things that we observed on our trip was how the different areas were aligned to the different political parties. So, for example, one of the areas that we visited, Bitterfeld, that is in eastern Germany, is special, first of all, because they booed uh, Angela Merkel while she was there delivering her campaign speech. But the other thing that we noticed was also how other parties like the far-right party AFD was able to put their posters in good time, something that we had not observed uh, back here in Bonn. Now, Germans have voted and the results are out. From what you've gathered from your trip so far, can this be reflected in the results that we have? Yes, Definitely. Um, So Bitterfeld was one of our first stops. We also went to Leipzig um, and Magdeburg and also to the German-Poland border. And this was quite an eye-opening experience for us because in the eastern part of Germany, at least the places that we visited, factories were run down. They they were rusty buildings uh, abandoned in the middle of almost nowhere. 
And this was a different kind of Germany that we hadn't seen before. And one of the complaints from this part of Germany was that they wanted more investment back in their region, but no investment was coming in. So this does reflect in the way the results turned out. They were disgruntled by the government. And sorry to cut you short, we must say that Angela Merkel won with the CDU, with the CDU party, that's the Christian Democrats, followed by SPD. And AFD is now the third most popular party in Germany, which is quite shocking, I must say to me, because they are quite new and it's like the second time they are in this. Absolutely. This party was only formed in 2013 and they were formed on the basis of we are anti the Eurozone. They just wanted to be out of the Eurozone. And then uh, these demands grew to become we are anti-immigrants. We are anti-everything that anti is not German. Anti-Islam, for example. Exactly. Yeah. And actually one of the posters that we saw um, in these areas, like I mentioned, they had already put them up, was that Islam does not belong to Germany. And they were declaring this in broad daylight. During your trip, you were also posting on social media, on Facebook and People were following you. What was the response like on this platform using the hashtag Germany Tides? It was very positive and encouraging because our audience is the African audience first and foremost. So there was a bit of concern. Are people interested enough in the German elections and seeing that they were not covered, for example, as France's elections uh, or the Brexit election or the US elections? So... It was very positive to see the number of responses that we got in terms of questions. People asking us, so why is Angela Merkel running for a fourth term in office, for example, to which we gave an answer. But also another question that remained very dominant was who has more power between the president of Germany and the chancellor of Germany? So the simple answer to this is the president has a different role than the chancellor and the president's role is more diplomatic relations while the chancellor is the head of government. So the responses that we got were a mixture of uh, people wanting to find out so who's going to get into, into power and you rightly mentioned that the CDU has won the majority of the seats, but also people wanting to find out how the electoral system in Germany um, and the legislative system also works. I was speaking to DW's Wanjiko Maora and do visit our Facebook page, that's DW Africa, for more on that. That's all we had time for in this week's edition of Pulse. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook by visiting DW Africa and make sure to leave your comments and feedback. Many thanks to our studio team and thank you for tuning in. Join us again next week for another edition of Pulse. I'm Eunice Sonjiro wishing you a great week ahead. Mm-hmm.